The following episode contains major plot points of movies. A spoiler warning is advised. This episode also contains topics that may be disturbing for some viewers, so viewer discretion is also advised. Lost Boys is a wild-ass movie. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah, and we are not talking about Lost Boys today, Colin, what the fuck? Not right now, but later. But anyway, no, speaking of Lost... We already talked about Lost Boys. I know, probably more than once. But anyway, anyway speaking of Lost Boys, we're going to be talking about a summer flick, and we're going to be talking about its franchise also. Would but it's like- not vampires, that has nothing to do with Lost Boys or Joel Schumacher or any of those fuckers. Yeah, it's still a great movie, though, even though you don't like it. But no, anyway, today we're going to be discussing the first film out of the franchise, the summer flick, Friday the 13th. Yep. It would have been more fun if it had covered the Jaws series, but it's okay. It's whatever. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to talk about Jaws 3D, because that's just a horrible movie to begin with. But you know what's even cool? I mean, we're going to be releasing this the day after, but on Saturday the 15th, the Little Theater is doing a Saturday Night Rewind of Jaws, yes, which would have been really cool to see in theaters, would have been really fun to cover for the podcast, but you know what? It's whatever. Oh? Yeah. Okay. But what's done is done. Oh, okay. You don't want to see it? <laughs> no, I do want to see it, but I just had surgery this week. And oh, yeah. And you, yeah, she just had surgery, so she's feeling a little sore, but so far she's being okay. She's feeling I okay. feel way better than I did three days ago. You really did. Like, you, yeah. you've actually completely healed. Like, not completely healed, but you've acting and feeling a little better, like, faster than I thought. Yeah, my incisions still have to heal, but my abdominal pain is not as bad as it was a few days ago. So I had surgery on the 10th of July, which was Mm -hmm. a Monday. Mm -hmm. It's now been three days, and two of my incisions are mostly healed up. One of them I still have to bandage because it kind of opened up a little bit and bled a little bit, but I'm doing good. Yes. Otherwise, it was an experience. Oh, I bet. You, you weren't there, but yeah. you. you I was there, there afterwards, and I felt so bad, too. You I were was... there before, then you were there shortly after. But yeah, you know I, what? It's whatever. But I had to comfort you after you were in the recovery room, and I just felt so scared. Also, like, I'm not the only person who's done this. Apparently, this happened to my sister, too, when she had her gallbladder removed. But when I woke up from anesthesia, like fully woke up in recovery, first thing I did was cry. Yeah, and I saw that, and I'm like, are you okay? What happened? Even the nurses were concerned. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. They're like, are you in pain? I'm like, no. Well, here's the thing, And though. then they asked me on a scale of 1 to 10, what's my pain level at? I said a 4. I couldn't even say it. I held up four fingers. <laughs> They're like, 4? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like this with your head nodding. They're like, do you want some water? I'm like, yes, please. Yes, please. My, my I felt like I was 5. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just Aww. so emotional. My cute 5-year-old. It also doesn't help, too, that, like, my period came the same week as my surgery, Man, so that's you, fun. <laughs> you are, like, a wreck. You you are bent out of shape. No, I was like, my, I no. woke up that morning, and I took my birth control pill of the week, and if, if you've never been on birth control pills, yeah. there's usually a week, it's usually the last week of the month set of pills where... They're kind of like placebo or sugar pills. They kind of allow yeah. you to have your menstrual cycle during that time. Mm-hmm. So that morning was the first day of my sugar pills. And then today I have it. <laughs> so literally I come walking in and I'm usually like the big support for her and making sure that she's okay. And I'm being the strong one here. But deep down, I'm scared as fuck. 
I'm horrified. But then you come in and you see my ass crying. And I'm like, I'm like, so like, are you okay? Like, I was so worried, but I I was like trying to be so much a big support too. And just seeing you cry made me want, like, I wanted to cry. It was weird. Like, I've never had surgery before, so I never know like what to expect. I mean, they they do give you like the pre-op appointments and the calls and, you know, tell you what to expect with these procedures. So I knew that I was going to have to go in. I was going to have to get my IV inserted and gown up and all this other stuff. And then they wheel me into the operating room and I'm still awake and alert and everything. Mm-hmm. They hook up my IV to the anesthesia and then they put a like an oxygen mask over my face and tell me to take a few deep breaths. And then I blacked out. I don't even remember falling asleep. That's honestly, how quick it happened. Honestly, though... Aren't you glad you did this and now everything's over and you don't have to go through the pains? I don't have to worry about surgery, at least for a good long while. I mean, this one was pretty interesting and yeah. kind of scary, but I made it through and I'm okay. Yeah, and I'm proud of you, baby. Yeah. I really am. Like, I was so worried, but I know that you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so happy that you are better. Yeah. Man, because that was not fun to go through that. <laughs> Well, for you, but for, for me, me, it was like... Yeah, for me, it wasn't fun to go through, especially my, my wife, who I love very much. I want to make sure that she's okay. Yeah, and then... And I got you all the Gatorade <laughs> and trolleys that you want. Oh, yeah. And a pizza. We stocked up on supplies afterwards. I got my prescription. I got my Tylenol. I got my ibuprofen. And then you got your snacks. I, I got, got you. Snacks. I got you a pizza because I got myself a pizza, and then she looks at me. She's like, where's my pizza? Like, well, I wasn't, like, expecting it. I didn't know you were no. going to get a pizza. Well, I mean, I looked at it. I was like, these prices are actually pretty good for uh, Target for pizzas. So, literally, when I when I got mine, you looked at it. You're like, can I, can I get one? <laughs> like, I know. I was weird. And you know what? And I'm, I was like, because of that whole thing happened, I was like, you know what? My baby wants a pizza. She's getting a goddamn pizza. Yeah, and then we went home, and then I went in bed. And by the way, like... The thing about the surgery that they do tell you is that they they make three incisions across your abdomen. That hurts. And because they have to cut into your abdominal muscles, they tell you, you know, no straining. Try not to lift yourself up in any way. And yeah. um, try not to do a whole lot of physical activities that require you using your abdominal muscles. Another thing they recommend you to do is take stool softeners. Yeah, but you haven't really pushed any of your muscles or anything, right? No, but I do realize that I use a lot of my abdominal muscles, though, to sit up, and that was not fun. Those were, like, my most painful moments. I was about to say, I tried to get you off as best as I could with you. Yeah, but otherwise, like, my left and my right side incisions feel fine. It's my middle incision, which is, like, right in my belly button. It hurts the most. But it's fine now. I mean, I feel better. Okay. And just before was the worst pain. Okay, I got you. But anyway, <sighs> enough about that. Let's get on with the. Let's get on with our stuff. summer film. But anyway, have we watched anything recently that's fun, noteworthy to talk about? Have we heard anything in horror news? I thought we were just going straight into Friday the Thirteenth. What's wrong with you? No, but are we going <laughs> to talk about anything horror worthy? I know you do. Why are you asking me? Because I know that's what, a rhetorical what's my, question. What's my horror-worthy news? Well, they're going to be premiering what we do in the shadows tonight. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. recording you know. this. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, we're recording. Don't fucking lie. Yeah, so by now, the new season of what we do in the shadows is premiered on FX and Hulu and yeah. all those stuff. So I'm super excited about it. 
That's going to be a good one to watch. Because I've always loved... I love every season so far. And they've always come up with something so funny and creative in their season. So hopefully maybe this one will be just as good as the last ones. Yeah. And I feel like like with what Colin said, you know, it'll be fun to do more summer-themed movies aside from just Friday the 13th because... But I don't know if we'll have time because we have to cover a shit ton of Friday the 13th movies. Exactly. That's what I'm worried about. Because if we were to make this into an entire, like, franchise review, yeah. this would be a multi-parter that would go on for probably, like, two months. Plus, I think also... Like, that's actually perfect. That's, like, basically, like, a summer gig because in Point Break, that's what they said, too. The robbers, they would... Rob during the two months of the summer all the way till like October mm-hmm. and then they stop and then they go back for next summer so that's basically almost like us so we're the robbers from Point Break. Colin's also been getting into a lot of surfer movies lately I mean he has been for quite some time but ever since you got back into longboarding it's been like rampant. Well here's the thing though every summer I'm always watching beach themed type of movies so there's a certain points throughout the year that I'm like certain themes into like there's different themes I'm into. Mm-hmm. So in the summertime, I watch my like beach like movies, surf movies, you know, especially, especially the water type like movies. And around this time of the year, I get super homesick when it comes to Ocean City, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends I've seen are actually going to visit Ocean City right now. And I'm like, I don't understand it. Rochester people know so much about Ocean City, and they're visiting the place. Like, mm-hmm. how do they know so much about Ocean City? That's the part I don't understand. And all my friends go and visit there. Yeah. I, and I'm from there, so I know what that beach life is like over there. That's why when I watch these movies and longboard and do all this stuff and everything and love being in the water, makes me think of home because I was that beach bum. Yeah. So when I watch beach movies, that's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting sad. We also do want to apologize, too, for the two-week hiatus we took. Because Colin's mom came into town from Florida. Oh, don't and, blame my mom. Well, I'm not blaming your mom, but her coming into town was one of the reasons why we couldn't make time to sit down and do any podcast recordings. Well, we're busy hanging with family. I am busy hanging with family. I'm and, busy working. Yeah. And, you know, just seeing my mom and taking care of the nephews and... Seeing all our other families and doing all this, like, holiday 4th of July or whatever type of stuff. Yeah. And it was fun. It was great. I have been getting into some new podcasts lately. A couple I want to recommend. I don't know if I talked about it before on the podcast, but... I like the I, one you got me into. Oh, that was pretty scary? Yeah. So, on the Morbid Network, that was pretty scary. It's hosted by Freddie Prince Jr. and his friend John Lee Brody, who's a director. And they cover horror movies every week and they even talk about like older b-rated horror movies from the 80s and the 90s and all this good stuff i like it it's really good and i like it because you get perspectives from within the hollywood industry or not even hollywood but in the film industry in general and freddie knows so much about that right and it's just so interesting to hear them talk about movies and sort of like a deeper dive like, they did one with the movie The Menu that we have t- covered on the podcast, but I like the way that they talk about it. And John Lee Brody, he does uh, deeper dive videos on his Instagram, so I recommend that one. And then another one that I, like, kind of discovered through a Discord that I, I'm a part of with the horror community on Discord is called Unbound and Rewound with Avery Coffee, and she's a really good horror content creator. She's on TikTok, Instagram, and she's got her podcast 
where she talks about all different types of horror. I like mm-hmm. her. I like her stuff so far. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say too. I I'm waiting for Freddie Prince Jr. to cover Lost Boys. I want him to talk about. He's that already movie covered. So he's already covered. Um, Fright Night. Yes. So if he could do Lost Boys for me, I totally appreciate it. If he's listening right now, please do Lost Boys. I really would love that. I think this week he covered Child's Play. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. I haven't either. I want to see what he's going to do for next week. That's what I'm kind of excited about. Well, at the end of every episode, they release what they're going to talk about next week. I know, and that's why I'm excited. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they do do that. So with that being said. Let us go into Friday the 13th. Yep. So Friday the 13th was released on May 9th of 1980 and has a runtime of an hour and 35 minutes and is directed by Sean S. Cunningham. It's written by Victor Miller and Ron Kurz. Ron Kurz, yes. Yes. The working title for the script was called Long Night at Camp Blood. This was used to keep the project secret from the public during production. So it wasn't like an actual title that they were working with. That yeah, was it was like a decoy. Were, yeah, like a decoy title. Yeah. Uh, the filming took about 28 days and editing took 10 weeks. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Makeup department consisted of Tom Savini... Dow S. Stavrakis, Catherine Vickers, and Cecilia Verardi. Tom Savini was one of the first crew members on board for the film because the producers idolized his special effects makeup during Dawn of the Dead, which was released in 1978, so like a couple years prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, two years. So this was inspired by both Halloween, a blockbuster slasher film, and Meatballs, a teen sex comedy no set in a summer camp which had come out shortly before, and both were big hits focusing on the youth market. Have you heard of that movie, Meatballs? I've, that's my movie I grew up watching. That's one of my favorite summer camp movies. Okay. I can't, There's no way that that's like from that. Well, think about it. Compare the two. Are there, are there any ways that they're like similar in style? Well, when it comes to sex comedies, yeah, I can kind of see this, the, sex, the sex of it okay. in, in Friday the 13th compared to Meatballs. So, to go through the casting list, Adrian King plays Alice, Kevin Bacon plays Jack, Janine Taylor plays Marcy, Robbie Morgan is Alice, Harry Crosby, who is the son of Bing Crosby, is Bill. Ah. Yep. And Betsy Palmer is Mrs. Voorhees. And there are a couple uh, casting fun facts I wanted to put in. One I didn't put down that I read about, Sally Field was offered the role at one point for, uh, for- Alice. Oh, but for, she, oh, for Alice? Yeah, but she turned down the role. I could see. Well, because she's already, like, pre... Not old, but she was, like, kind of getting up there by then. She was getting huh? older. In 1980? Yeah. She was, like, not even in her 20s anymore. I think she was in, in her late 20s. Okay. So most of the stars of the original movie were actually Broadway yes. stars who were sent over by a Broadway casting agency, and the movie debuted in a Broadway movie house. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. I just think it's interesting because with Sweeney Todd being on Broadway and Gavin Matarazzo, who's from Stranger Things, playing Toby, there are a few other kids from that cast in Stranger Things who are also Broadway stars. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the kid who plays Lucas is also on Broadway. Sadie Sink was also on Broadway at one point. And Gavin Matarazzo's been doing Broadway since he was a little kid. Sally Field in 1980 was 34. Oh, yeah. And she was probably a little too old for that role. Because anyway. Alice was like a teenager role, right? Well, yeah. All of these were all of these were supposed to be teenagers within their late teens. Yeah. Early and Sally 20s. Field was already way above that. Yep. <laughs> Betsy Palmer called the script once a piece of shit and almost didn't accept the role. 
However, she warmed up to the movie years after as the film boosted her career and she has attended con- conventions and appeared in documentaries discussing the film. I could see that. Yep. Sean S. Cunningham wanted his son, Noel Cunningham, to play Jason, but his wife, Susan E. Cunningham, wouldn't let him do this. <laughs> That's awesome. God, Mom, killing the vibe. Yeah, she really did. Now there's no legacy. So the movie was filmed at Camp Nobi Bosco in New Jersey. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but the camp is still in operation, and it was it has a wall of Friday the 13th memorabilia to honor that the movie was set there. Oh, yeah. I do want to talk about this briefly because I think it perfectly encapsulates what was the trend of the 1970s and 80s slasher films, Mm -hmm. which would then progress on into later films of the 90s and 2000s. But Cunningham didn't buy the whole sinners must be punished scenario that many slasher films seem to support. Instead, he simply sees it as bad things happening to good people for no apparent reason. Cunningham also didn't like Gene Siskel's complaint that the film was misogynistic and that Cunningham was a little tougher on the girls in this movie than he is on the guys. Cunningham said that the film was not meant to be sexist and both males and females get punished equally in this movie. John Carpenter was similarly dismissive when critics complained that Halloween was pushing an Old Testament puritanical sex must be punished by death moral code on the audience. Deborah Hill, his co-producer and screenwriter on the project, said in response, I think people are reading moral and sociological messages into a simple simple horror story that has no agenda to lecture the audience in any way. I mean, they believe what they believe, you know, especially in, like, how they represent the film. Yeah, and I think also, too, it kind of goes back to art reflecting life in a way. I mean, when you think, if you read too much into something, it's eventually going to lead to opinions like this where, oh, well, these are young teenagers being promiscuous and acting like they're adults and doing drugs and having premarital sex and all this stuff, and that's why they're getting killed. And, yeah, the similarities are there, but that's not why they're being killed. And especially in this scenario, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're being a little careless, but it's also at the same time, it's not like there's any kids that are actually there that they're monitoring. They're, they're there pre-opening of the camp, setting up, letting loose before the kids show up. It's kind of funny how I see that they are killed for, you know, doing these sinful things like drinking, smoking, and having sex. It almost sounds like the character, the killer itself, is like straight edge. And he does not want, like he doesn't allow promiscuous sex, drinking, or doing drugs. So that's why he kills him for punishment. And I think the other thing, too, to look at, especially with this particular movie, it's the fact that the, the motive behind this killer is that because this particular person died in their life, because they were neglected, because counselors weren't watching them, that's, I don't want to say that's all well and good, because it's not good, but at the same time, you're now punishing an entirely different group of people who had nothing to do with that person's death. I just think that, like, to make that comparison with the events that go on in this movie, I I agree. It's not a sinners must be punished scenario. I think it is these kids are at the wrong place at the wrong time with, around the wrong people, and this is what's well, happening. To that's them. basically in so many movies of how that happens. 
Like, Last House on the Left, like, the original. Yeah. That was, like, the worst, the wrong place at the wrong time type of film. And yeah. also, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, that's definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time, because no one wants to be over there in, like, the middle of hot Texas. Also, I Know What You Did Last Summer is another one where it's just a wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, if those kids hadn't killed that hitchhiker, then that person wouldn't be killing them today. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, these people are at the wrong place at the wrong time, and those things shouldn't have happened to and them. And also, the one thing I don't like about certain movies is where the where the kid is look going out to look for trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes to certain places where he shouldn't be going, but he does, and then all of a sudden there's, like, the killer or creatures or whatever. It's kind of like that in... Uh, killer clowns from outer space when yeah. the two kids go find the meteorite and then turns out the meteorite is just a circus tent that's a spaceship and they found something by accident that they shouldn't found right and another thing too in going to the misogynist point of the conversation i do agree that the the male actors or the male characters get just as brutalized if not more deadly than the women True. I mean, although we don't see as many on screen as the female characters get killed, we just know that, like, at the end of the day, almost all the campers are dead, but by one way or another, yeah, you know? Yeah, you're not wrong And that. I don't think that it has anything to do with, like, misogyny. I think it's just the fact no. that, like, depending on what your cast looks like, who your characters look like, and what they're doing determines what's going to happen in the movie. Yeah, also their views and how the person acts is their personality. Yeah, and I think over time, too, a lot of people have taken that trope and have really spun it a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with Cabin in the Woods, they really took those, you know, promiscuous teenagers uh, deserving to die in a certain order. They really took that to a whole other level. And that worked for them because they were poking fun at that trope. Yeah. Of like the you know these teenagers going out and having sex and doing drugs and drinking alcohol and that's what's leading them to their deaths essentially, like that's what's so interesting about Cabin in the Woods. But I think when movies like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and even Nightmare on Elm Street do it, it's not really so much for that particular message. It's just that these are kids at the wrong place at the wrong time, and they're just cutting loose and having fun. Yeah. So do you want to get into the plot? Yes, please. Okay. Also, my jaw is hurting. My my teeth hurt, too. Yeah. So if I talk a little slow or if my voice sounds a little raspy, it's because my teeth are, like, hurting. Yeah. That's how An- I'm another, right another side effect from the surgery with the breathing tube that I had to yeah. put in my mouth. Anyway. Yeah. So in 1958, at Camp Crystal Lake, counselors Barry Jackson and Claudette Hayes sneak inside a storage cabin to have sex where they are murdered by an unseen person. In the summer of 1980, now, it said originally in present day summer camp, and I'm like, present day? 1980. We're no longer in 1980. Well, for back then. I know, I know, back then. Yeah. But But still. In summer of 1980, camp counselor Annie Phillips is warned by local Crazy Ralph and receives disgusted reactions from the townspeople about going to Crystal Lake. While driving, Enzo warns Annie about the camp's troubled past, beginning when a young boy drowned in Crystal Lake in 1957, and after being dropped off at the halfway point, she hitches another ride from an unseen person who drives past the camp. Annie escapes the vehicle, but the killer chases her into the woods and slashes her throat. Thoughts so far? 
No, keep going. Okay. What are you doing? So the country song heard playing in the general store when Annie asked for directions and later in the film, during the diner scene, is called Sail Away Tiny Sparrow. It was written by Harry Manfredini for the soundtrack and was sung by Angela Rotella. The song was released with the Friday the 13th soundtrack. However, there was a speed error on the soundtrack, so the song plays much slower than it does in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe uh, Harry Manfredinini, he is also the composer for the oh, film. Okay. Yep. Cool. Nice. Uh, at the camp, counselors Ned, Jack, Bill, Marcy, Brenda, and Alice, along with owner Steve Christie, refurbish the cabins and facilities. As a thunderstorm approaches, Steve leaves the campground to stock supplies. Ned sees someone walk into the cabin and follows. While Jack and Marcy have sex in one of the cabin's bunk beds, they are unaware of Ned's body above them, his throat having been slit. When Marcy leaves to use the bathroom, Jack's throat is pierced with an arrow from beneath the bed. The killer follows Marcy into the bathroom and drives an axe into her face. As Brenda turns in for the night, she hears a little boy's voice calling for help and ventures outside to the archery range. Where the lights turn on, Brenda screams. At the 19-minute mark, Tom Savini performed the arrow shot that nearly missed that narrowly missed Brenda when she was setting up the archery target. So that could have actually killed her. Could have, but did. <laughs> Thankfully. And he was also the person whose hands are seen holding Kevin Bacon's head down when he pierces oh, the... yeah, I know that. Yeah, arrow, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yep. And I don't know if this happens before or after these events, but there's a scene with a snake that was not originally in the script. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Uh, no. Um, It was an idea from Tom Savini after an experience in his own cabin during filming. The snake in the scene was real, including its on-screen death. So, there's that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Worried by their friends' disappearances, Alice and Bill leave the main cabin to investigate. They find an axe in Brenda's bed, the phone's disconnected, and Ned's truck not working. Later, Steve returns and runs into the unseen killer who stabs him to death. When the power goes out, Bill goes to check on the generator, and Alice heads out to look for him and finds his body pinned with arrows to the generator room's door. She runs to the main cabin to hide, only to be startled further when Brenda's body is thrown through the window. Soon after, Alice sees a vehicle approach and goes outside, thinking it's Steve. Instead, she is greeted by Mrs. Voorhees, a middle-aged woman who claims to be an old friend of Steve's family. And like I said, composer Harry Manfredini, he came up with the classic k- 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 ma, ma, ma vocals. Uh, well, it says key, key, key. Bullshit. It says it right here in my notes. Well, I don't like your notes. You wrote them wrong. <laughs> so it's his voice in the track as well. Although Halloween movies had a lot of musical scores, Friday the 13th had very little music. And the decision was made by Manfredinini he, to only have the music in the movie when the killer was present. That's why there's only brief, quick moments of the music in the beginning, but the climax is wall-to-wall music. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mrs. Voorhees reveals that her son, Jason, was the young boy who drowned in 1957. 
blaming the counselors for his death, who were not present when he was drowned. Revealing herself as the killer, she tries to kill Alice. But yep. Alice knocks her out. And Alice, like, kicks her ass. Yep. At the shore, Mrs. Voorhees tries to kill Alice again with a machete, but Alice gains the advantage and decapitates her. Exhausted, Alice boards and falls asleep inside a canoe that floats out on Crystal Lake, which I don't get why she would do that. Well, because she's tired. She probably just goes out on the boats and no one can swim over to get her. Yeah, but still, it's like the threat is gone. Like, there's no reason for you to run further, especially if you're on a boat in a lake. You're not going to get anywhere. Hey, you don't know. There could be other people setting up uh, shit out there for more stuff to happen. So suddenly, Jason's decomposing corpse drags her into the lake, at which point she awakens in a hospital surrounded by a police sergeant and medical staff who are tending to her. When Alice asks about Jason, the sergeant says that there was no sign of any boy. She says, then he's still out there, as the lake is shown with ripples in the water. And on that eerie, like, acoustic music in the background. Yep. Jason's name is not mentioned until one hour and 16 minutes into the movie. Oh, wow. Yep. Producer Steve Miner initially thought that it was an idiotic idea to bring Jason back in the sequels. Mm -hmm. He says, quote, he wasn't your villain. He's just a figment of someone's imagination. Despite this, he went on to direct the next two Friday the 13th movies starring Jason as the villain. Which I don't get why they would do that either. I mean, cash cow, honey. I get it, but still. That's how a lot of them make sequels. Because if you got a character like that, yeah, you could totally keep going with like the franchise and milk the shit out of it until it's like dry. Yeah. And that's what they did. The MPAA told the producers of Friday the 13th to scale back on the gore for the sequel since they regretted the amount of gore that they had gotten through in the original and the subsequent critical backlash. This is why part two is much less gory than part one. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I did like the scene where the kid in the wheelchair (laughs) fell, but yeah, never mind. That's in the second movie. But yeah. Okay. That's besides the point. Weird. Uh, after the film's success, Adrian King was stalked by an obsessed fan. Terrified, she asked that her role in Part 2 be as small as possible. She did not take any other roles or make convention appearances for almost 20 years after its release. And boy, was her part small in the sequel. Oh yeah, she got killed. Within like 10 it's, minutes. Yeah, not even, it didn't even take that long. Right. You got killed by Jason, right? Right. Yeah. Poor you, Alice. And yeah, we... I want to make that a point. Anytime we cover a movie where anybody who's worked on a film is... When, they, when they're when they stalking as a result of being in a movie or something, it's a thing that happens to public figures like celebrities and private citizens like us. It happens. It's not fun, but it happens. And unfortunately, the wrong type of people get that mind process in their heads that they are entitled to to those people, and that's just not okay. Yeah. I found another piece of information I thought you would like, because you ha- you always never fail to tell me whenever any horror reference is made in any other part of entertainment industries, but Stampede Wrestling introduced wrestler... Here, you read this for me, because I can't read Let me see. Stampede Wrestling introduced, res- or introduced wrestler Carl Muffet. As Jason the Terrible, who wore the hockey mask and was billed as Camp Crystal Lake in the late 1980s. I think I remember that. The gimmick was later taken up in Japan and Puerto Rico by... Roberto Rodriguez. 
and has also been used by Tracy Smothers and other wrestlers sometimes using such variations as Friday, as Jason the 13th. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I figured I would share that with you because I know you love there, wrestling. There was a guy that actually um, uh, took uh, his love for Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. and put him as a wrestler. And he used to walk out there with a chainsaw almost trying to hit people in the arm with it. Isn't there a local band you like called the Jasons also? Not a local band. They're not from here. But there is a punk rock band called the Jasons, which, by the way, I've played with, and they're the funniest guys in the world, and they're super nice, and they have, they're they're basically a Ramones, uh, Ramones chord type of punk rock band that talks about all the themes of Jason of Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. So, great where, where are they from? Oh, what, what am I trying to remember? I don't think they're from Texas. Are they from Texas? Nah, they gotta be. They gotta be from somewhere. I'll figure it out. But they, right. but they try to say that they're from Jersey, but they're not. Yeah. But they're great guys. I love them very much. And um, if you get a chance, I definitely recommend listening to the Jasons. They're a really good band. Good stuff. Yeah. Good shit. So that's all I have so far. Is there anything you want to talk about the movie before we sign off? Um, other than that movie spawned so many sequels that you could hurl up a cat, uh, uh, hurl up a um, hairball. And literally, they release they release a sequel almost every year in that decade. Yeah, and the thing about this movie too is, a lot of people said at the time of its release it was sort of a rip off to Halloween because it seemed a bit similar in style. I mean, the settings are different, and you have a little bit more of a cast in terms of characters and victims and stuff. But at the end of the day, you have this faceless killer who you don't see for most of the movie. You are aware that something bad is going on with these teenagers, mm-hmm. and you know the the dynamic is the same. And you the, know, and the critics but over time. Go ahead. No, no, go on. But over time, it has become a staple in the horror industry. Jason, That's even though he wasn't the main villain in this movie, he would go on to be like, a pretty iconic character. Like he's top dog in like slasher killers. Yeah, he's one of the most iconic slasher villains in the horror industry. Like I've talked to almost every person that I know in my life or even people I've never met and they all say definitely in their top 10 or top 5 or top killers is Jason. Mhm. And everyone just <laughs> loves Jason, especially his quiet demeanor, how big he is and how immortal that man is when it comes to killing him. Yeah, and a lot of people have changed their views on it since then. Like, I know that there was something I was reading about uh, one movie critic who had really bashed the movie in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, said over a period of time, like, I take it back. Like, it, it's really made its mark in the movie industry. Well, yeah. Jason being, like I said, one of the most iconic horror villains. They called it a summer ripoff version of Halloween, basically. Yeah, That's much. what pretty much Friday the 13th was. Mm-hmm. But I think over time, you know, Jason does become a little bit more horrifying. I mean, he definitely does make a name for himself by the sequel. Yeah. And in the later sequels, he's become more and more creative, creative. with his with yes. his killings. And actually, some of my top favorite like killings are definitely from 
Because there's different variations of Jason throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And the one Jason I really love more than anything that we're going to talk about later in the series, his name's Kane Hodder. Oh, yeah. And he started in Friday the 13th Part 7. Mm -hmm. And he had some of the most creative kills I've ever seen. I think that's everybody's favorite Kane... um, Not Kane Hodder. Everybody's favorite Jason is Kane Hodder. Everyone's favorite Kane Hodder. I've heard heard Kane Hodder in interviews and I've seen him in, like, stuff. He's really good. He's He's a great... He's a really nice person. He's a nice guy, but he's tough as shit. You know what movie you should watch with me? The Hatchet series. I knew you were going to fucking say it. I knew you were going to say The Hatchet series. In, in the Discord that I'm in, Ugh, somebody gross. brought up Hatchet, and I haven't watched it yet, but yes. I know that Kane Hodder is I in it. You. Daniel Harris also stars in it, and gross. I really want to watch Hatchet. Horrible movie. That should be the next movie we cover. No. You know what? No. Stop it. Don't poke me, tummy. <laughs> but anyway. I'm like, you know what? Beer belly? So, I don't drink beer. Who are you talking about? Anyway. I don't drink beer, like, ever, except for, like, one or twice. Like, you know, like, on weekends. But anyway, that's not the point. Point is, are you all set? I think I am. I think I am, too. What movie are we going to cover next week? Well, what do you think? Friday the 13th Part 2. Where we you know, actually introduce Jason. Yeah. But you know what? I'm kind of sad that it's not on any streaming service. It, there, it used to be... I think it was Max, or HBO Max, or whatever the fuck they call themselves now. Max. They had, at one point, all of the Friday the 13th movies on there. And I was so excited, because when you and I said, oh, we were going to do the Friday the 13th franchise, I was like, oh, cool, this will give me a good chance to sit down and watch all of them. And then when and we try to did. go on it, and they're all gone. Same thing with Evil Dead. Yeah. Evil Dead used to be on Max, now it's gone. Honey. I only watched one and a half. Honey, oh my god. You watched the other half, and then you went back to it, and it was gone. No, I watched... I That's watched, what I'm saying, yeah. I watched all of the first Evil Dead, yep. half of the second one, took a pause, last, last day of fucking June, and then I go back on July 1st, and it's gone. I'm so mad. Honey, anyway. it's okay. You're fine. Evil Dead would have been another fun summer movie to do. What the yeah, fuck? That would have been a fun one. I mean, we already covered summer, uh, um, Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. So we already covered that series, so we're not really going to cover that, of course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But other than that, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of the conclusion of our um, our first movie today for the Friday 13th series. Yes. A nice uh, episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoy as much as we do in this. Uh-huh. As much as we like to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep on listening. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, stay tuned to our next episode that we do for the series. So, other than that, this has been the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, Freddie, please do the Lost Boys episode for your podcast. Please, I appreciate it. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.